Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 4. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who speaks. And just as we've heard you speak uh, through the scriptures and seen the way you speak to, have spoken to so many in history, we ask you now, speak to each one of us through your word uh, that we have before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, cast your mind back to Christmas 2019. So many of the things then that we thought were secure and certain have proven not to be secure. They've proven to be flimsy and unsure, haven't they? There's so many things that we assumed would happen in 2020 that haven't happened. Now, it's wonderful to have the kids with us this morning. Kids, there's particular things this year that you thought for sure would happen that have been cancelled. It's not a rhetorical Are there any things, things that have been cancelled? Hands up. Go for it. Your orchestra cramp was cancelled. That was really sad. You expected that to happen. Any any else that's been cancelled? Yep. Santa Parade. Yeah, that's devastating, isn't it? And um, Lauren particularly is very sad. Um, any anything else? Any holidays? Yep, at the back. Say again, sorry. Dance concert. Lots of concerts. Anything else? Fun. A day of cultural calendar. It's so cultural, I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, the AMP show. Yeah, huge, huge cash. Lots of things that are, and the AMP show particularly has happened for, I don't know, 100 years probably, hasn't it? Lots of things that we think were certain have gone. Uh, so many things we thought were secure. Some people's finances have been desperately shaken. Uh, meticulously planned trips have gone. Perhaps many of us, though on the outside we've tried to project that we're secure and safe and, and confident, inside we feel tired and unsure and insecure. I love the way that this Lessons and Carols service tells the story of Christmas right from the beginning in Genesis all the way up to the New Testament, that, that final wonderful story of the Word made flesh. Well, and I particularly love the, the kids thing. Wasn't the kids thing great? I don't know which person's child thought that uh, there were Hondas 2,000 years ago. I think I'll have to speak to them in, at lunchtime. Uh, but what, wasn't that marvelous? And, lot, and thanks again to the people who put that together. What my job this morning is to do is to focus on the prophecy from Micah. You'll have seen, uh, when we'll have it on the screen, it's, it's a prophecy 800 years before the birth of Jesus. And the reason I want to focus on this reading is because of the promise of security. The promise in verse 4 that God's people will live securely. It's a wonderful promise at the best of times. But in this uncertain age, how much more special is it? And I want to show you how Jesus brings that security. But to understand these words, we need to know what's going on. The people at the time, uh, God's people, Israel, lived in a time of utter insecurity. Uh, it was a time of war. 
Their enemies were at the gates. They were under siege. And verse 3 gives us an explanation of why that is. It says they were abandoned. And the reality is they had, in fact, abandoned God. Israel had gone on to worship false gods, and in turn, God abandoned them. They lost God's blessing. Now, that speaks a particular situation 750 years ago, but it's a picture of the human condition of all of us. The Bible says that God blessed us. We, we, we got a sense of that in, in the first reading. God blessed us and placed all humans in paradise. But we turned from him. We refused to worship him and withdrew from the way we were designed to live. And so God, in response, withdrew. He removed his blessing. And that paradise was lost. And in its place, all kinds of insecurity crept in. Disease, which leads to death. Fear, conflict between people, which leads to pain and heartache and suspicion and insecurity. And all of us know these things, don't we? A couple of weeks ago, I got to use my uh, Christmas gift from last year. It's kind of taken nearly a year to use it. And my wife kindly got me a a lesson in brewing beer. So I went with a friend of mine. That wasn't supposed to be a joke. That was true. Uh, But um, thanks for laughing. Um, I... I went to this, um, this brewing class with a friend of mine, and we, we popped some things in a pot of water and, and let it brew up. And as we were doing that, there was a, a meal put on, and we were paired with another couple, and um, we were just kind of getting on. We were chatting. We were having a good chat. And then one of the other couples said something that I didn't hear, and all the other three laughed and looked at me. And for a scary moment, I thought, they're laughing at me. And I was terrified. I had no idea what they said but I felt very on the spot. And all of us know that kind of insecurity, that kind of fear, that kind of shame. And the Bible says it's because we've turned from God and insecurities entered the world. And God says to his prophet Micah, there will be this period, but it will end. It's only for a time. And then he says this cryptic word. Have a listen and see if you can see what it means. It will carry on, the people will be abandoned, verse 3, until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. Now, you can imagine the people in Micah's time scratching their heads, wondering who on earth is going to give birth. But in the light of the Bible, we can understand what that means. Do any of the kids want to have a guess what that means? Go for it. Mary will have Jesus. Absolutely. And we've heard of that, haven't we? That cryptic prophecy speaks of the first Christmas, when Mary will give birth to a child. And that child, as we've heard in the other reading, is God's son, the word made flesh. And there are so many aspects of the Christmas story, but what this prophecy focuses on, that that baby will become a shepherd. Look at verse 4. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and they will live securely. God's people will live securely. Now, I don't know if you've ever imagined being a sheep, But from the perspective of sheep, having a shepherd, I imagine, is a wonderful thing. The shepherd protects the flock, doesn't he? He he takes them to where there's good food and water. If a wolf comes, he he goes and fights it off. If the the sheep is sick, he he picks it up and, and cares for it and heals it. If you're a sheep, a shepherd is wonderful. But if you're a human, to be told you need a shepherd is a little bit confronting, isn't it? Because part of being a sheep is is admitting that you don't know how to do things yourself. You're not all right on your own. I once went to an icebreaker. Uh, I once went to a kind of thing with with an icebreaker. 
And um, the icebreaker was, what kind of animal are you? Now, I wonder what kind of animal you think you are. I've got, I think, some animals on the screen. Now, if I said, are you like a majestic lion? Who would like to be like a majestic lion? Put your hands up. Who would like to be? Not, ma- not many. Surprisingly low number. Who would like to be like a muscular shark? Who would like to be like a shark? A few people mainly related to me. Oh, there's a few more. Good. <laughs> Who would like to be a, a soaring eagle? Oh, everyone, lots of people like to be an eagle. Who would like to be a scrawny sheep? Not, well, one person who is probably the most unsheep-like person in the room. I think you have to be not a sheep to answer that question like that. Nobody wants to be a sheep. And part of the reason uh, we don't want to be a sheep is it's not flattering, is it? Sheep aren't particularly muscular or, or heroic or, or majestic. And the Bible's picture of sheep is, isn't flattering either. Sheep get lost. Sheep wander away. Sheep are fairly stupid. Sheep need a shepherd to look after them. And the Bible says that we too, each one of us, needs a shepherd. Now, there's something in us that doesn't like that, isn't there? We want to be autonomous. We, we want to do our own thing. We, want to, we don't want to admit we need a shepherd. I've been reading recently uh, a history of the SAS. It's called Rogue Heroes. And um, there's a little portrait of uh, a man called David Sterling, who was the, um, the leader of the SAS. And the SAS, as you know, the elite unit in the army. And they fought and really began life in the desert. And they did so well, basically, because they didn't follow the rules. And this is the description of David Sterling. It says, he regarded rules as nuisances to be ignored, broken, or otherwise overcome. He once went to a dinner party with Winston Churchill and uh, the head of the army and his boss. And he said at the end of it, Let's, why don't you sign on this piece of paper so I can have a memorial of our wonderful evening? And so they signed it, feeling very flattered. And then he gave it to his secretary and said, type this over the top of it. Give David Sterling as much assistance as you possibly can. <laughs> sign Winston Churchill, chief of the army, the other man. And we admire people like that, don't we? There's a sense that we like the guy who who breaks the rules and gets things done, who beats the Germans, that kind of thing. But that is not the picture of flaunting God's rules. There's another kind of rule-breaking that's less impressive, isn't there? We often think that that's what we're doing with God. We're we're getting one over. We're we're living a better way. But there's another kind of rule-breaking, isn't it? Think of that chap who flew into New Zealand a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I think it is now, And uh, he was in managed isolation for two weeks. But he thought, well, I know better than that. I'm going to cut through the the fence and I'm going to go to Countdown, get some snacks. We don't think he's a kind of lovable rogue. We think he's an idiot. He's endangering people, isn't he? Somebody jumps into their car having had five pints of beer. We don't admire their rule-breaking, do we? We think, how stupid. And although we like to think that our ignoring God's rules in this world is, is kind of a lovable roguishness, the Bible would say it's not. God has given us a way to live, not to kill our joy, not to be a, a fun killer, but precisely because he's a good God and his rules are good. They're not silly rules. They're good rules. And imagine hundreds of individuals living like that guy, breaking out of managed isolation. It brings insecurity and chaos. And that's what we see in the world all around us. That's why Israel's in a mess. And the Bible says we're like sheep. We don't know what's best for us, but God has sent a shepherd who does know what's best and through submitting to him 
comes security. And the reason for that is the shepherd's powerful. And not just powerful, he's a shepherd who loves us and seeks our best. And if we let him shepherd us, he'll give us security. Just look at verse 4. We see he's powerful. He shepherds in the strength of the Lord. And the reason he can do that is because, as we saw in the other readings, he is God himself come down. This man, Jesus, is God. But not just powerful, he loves the sheep. I don't know if you've ever read uh, the New Testament as an adult. I know many of you have, but maybe some haven't. And think of that wonderful picture of Jesus as he deals with ordinary people, how he's always kind to people. Funny, odd people, outcasts, come to him, and unlike us who would so often shun them, he, he loves them and welcomes them. We see Jesus laying down his life on the cross so that those who've rebelled against him, who've said, I know how to do life my way, that rebellion might be forgiven. And we see Jesus defeating death. And so the one who comes under Jesus as shepherd is absolutely secure. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous passages, I think, in the Bible. And it's a song written by one of Israel's kings. And King David sings and celebrates God's uh, care for the sheep. And he says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And do you see that wonderful picture of security? Now, we need to be careful. It's not as if we follow Jesus as our shepherd and life's suddenly rosy. These people are in a war zone. It's not as if no Christian has died of COVID-19, that no Christian has lost their job. Of course they have. Now, this passage hints that there will be a time of full security. Look at the end of verse 4. When the greatness of the shepherd will reach to the ends of the earth. And the Bible paints a picture of a time when every insecurity will be gone. There will be no more disease or death or crying or mourning or pain, but perfect harmony. But until that time, there will be problems. But those who have Jesus as their shepherd have ultimate security. Evil things still happen. People still mock us, but Jesus is with us. John Chrysostom is a man who knew this. John Chrysostom was a a preacher who lived about 1,600 years ago. And Chrysostom is not his surname. It's a, a kind of title that means the golden tongue. And he was such an amazing preacher that people called him John the golden tongue. Well, his preaching somehow offended the emperor, and he wanted to shut John up. And so he called John before him in all his finery. And he said, John, if you do not stop preaching in the way you are, I will banish you. I'll send you away. And John, who knew the security of the Lord Jesus, said this. Sir, you cannot banish me, for the world is my father's house. Or the emperor was livid. Then I'll kill you. Sir, you cannot, for my life is hid with... Christ in God. Then I will confiscate your treasures. Nay, that cannot be either. My treasures are in heaven where none can threaten them. Then I will drive you from man and you will be without friend, said the emperor. 
that you cannot do either. For I have a friend in heaven who has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you see that picture of ultimate security? And for the one who trusts in Jesus, that's the security we have. Events may be cancelled, hopes may be dashed, but COVID cannot take our life, for it is hidden Christ. A recession cannot take our ultimate treasure, because it is hidden in heaven, stored up for us. The world may mock and be cruel to us, but we have a friend who will never leave us, a shepherd who will stay with us until he shepherds us to heaven. Friend, if you're a Christian here today, do you see what security you have in Christ? Do you see this wonderful security that Christmas brings to us? Let's rejoice in it. But if you don't know Jesus as your shepherd, I wonder, have you ever investigated this? I was chatting with somebody a few weeks ago who'd been through one of our courses looking into Christianity, kind of Christian Explored type course. And they said at the end of it, um, it seems to me that Jesus wants me to trust him with everything. And they looked around the room, just a few of us in the room, and they said it would be like me trusting w- one of you with everything. But I can see you. But I can't see Jesus. And there's a sense that that's absolutely right. Jesus is asking us as a shepherd to trust him with everything, with our life, even with our death. Well, we can't see him with our eyes, But the promise is in the Bible. We can investigate his life. And we can find him to be utterly trustworthy. If you're someone who's never found out why people trust Jesus, why not ask someone? Why is it that you trust Jesus? Kids, why not ask your parents, why is it you trust Jesus and find him trustworthy? Why not grab a Bible and read an account of Jesus' life and see, is he a trustworthy shepherd? Because the claim that has rung down through the ages is there is a shepherd and he's powerful and good and he can make his people dwell in absolute security. That's the promise of Christmas. May you have a blessed Christmas. Let me say a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this security that Jesus can bring. We thank you that he is a good shepherd. And that he was prophesied so many hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And yet even today, he's found to shepherd and provide wonderful security for those who follow him. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.